to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Welcome, everybody, to the very first ever in history Lions of Liberty podcast holiday extravaganza, spectacular, call it whatever you want, extravatacular, whatever it is, it's going to be amazing because we have a few amazing guests in the studio today, both in the studio and on the line. I want to go around, introduce everyone. First of all, in studio, I've got here. A name that, if you're familiar with our website, lionsofliberty.com, you may know this name. He's kind of our resident, I don't know, resident ranter, resident curmudgeon, <laughs> uh, resident Rand Paul critique, resident Obamacare ranter. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, live in the Lions of Liberty studios, Brian McWilliams. Ho, 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 and a merry liberty to all. All right. Now, Brian, we want to just get a quick little idea, kind of introduce you to our audience for everybody. Just real quick, what are you drinking, and what is your favorite holiday movie? All right, well, I'm drinking a little something called Christian Brothers Brandy. Now, it's got a VS on the uh, the label, which stands for very smooth. Makes me wonder, how many types of brandy are you making? Is there one that's just total garbage called G or not smooth? A little bit confusing. Anyway, drinking that little cider. Also going to be mixing a little eggnog. My favorite holiday movie... Christmas story, fantastic, but let's uh, let's go with Scrooge. You would put Scrooge above Christmas story. Scrooge is the All best. Right. Bill Murray? Yeah, no, I, I it's mean, hard to argue with Bill Murray or Scrooge. All right, now we're going to toss things over across the country, all the way to the other liberal bastion in the country, New Jersey. We got our man, a man who's kind of faded off of the website a little bit. He's For been shame. a busy guy, but we're glad to have him in the podcast today. Dom Sidoti, one of my fellow founders, along with Brian and Odie. Dom Sidoti, welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Hey, guys. Good to be back. We are thrilled to have you here, buddy. It's been a while. Now, what exactly are you drinking over there all the way in your, your nice home in New Jersey? Well, part of my busy year was taking a job that requires about two hours of drive each way. So I didn't have much time. I stopped and grabbed some Celebration Air from Sierra Nevada. If you're familiar with their work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Respectable. Respectable. All right. It's not as hard as we like on this podcast. Your whiskey shot. But, you know, we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> it's, no, it's no whiskey chat, but that, that'll, that'll <laughs> suffice. We're not necessarily doing a whiskey chat today. We're doing a whatever we want to drink chat. It just means Dom's going to make the most sense at the end of it. Exactly. <laughs> and, and Dom, what's your favorite holiday movie? I guess i got to say Christmas Vacation. It's a bit of a cliche, but um, I'm just a sucker for Chevy Chase antics, really. All right, can't argue with that. Now we're going to head over a little westward, not too far, from Pittsburgh, PA. We got a couple of guys. First of all, we got John Odermatt. How you doing? Felony Friday author. Doing fantastic, Mark. Great to be here. All right, it's actually John's second podcast appearance. And uh, just so you guys know at home, John Odermatt, we affectionately call him as Odie, so that's likely what you hear us referring to him as throughout the show. Now, Odie, what are you drinking over there? And what's we your are, holiday movie? We are drinking on some uh, Evan Williams whiskey and some uh, some eggnog. And also have a fridge full of beer. So we got some, some variety here. All right, you guys right. are stuck. Now, who's this we we're talking about? I'm, I'm hearing a we. We also got 
If you're familiar with the podcast, you may have heard this guy's name because he's asked a bunch of questions of our guests. He's always responding. Whenever we ask for reader questions, he's in. Trent Seaman, welcome into the Lions of Liberty podcast. Hey, fellas, how are you? Doing fantastic, man. I, I, you and Odie are hanging out there over together in your in your pad there. You guys drinking the same thing? You're on the eggnog wagon, too, there? We are. We actually have to set the record straight. Uh-oh. It was, it was Evan Williams' eggnog before Odor Mac got here, and then he stepped over to the fridge and topped it off with a shot of JD, so we stepped it <laughs> wow. over. Things get a little downward spiraling. You'll, you'll know why. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I did that. So <laughs> we raising the bar over here. That's good when you're already blacked out before we start recording a podcast, Odie. We didn't want to let you down. <laughs> all right, and now I got to get your holiday movies real quick. Are you oh. going to differ from the, from the group at all? We got Scrooge so far. We got Christmas Vacation. I'm going to go with an oldie. You guys probably never heard of it. It's called The Night They Saved Christmas, about circa 1980. I've never seen that. No. An animated deal? What, what is that? No, I think it was one of those made-for-TV movies, but uh, it's the, the the oldest Christmas movie I can remember, so <laughs> i got to go with that one. But, of course, the Christmas story is always a lot, but everybody's going to say that, so that doesn't count. Hey, well, I mean, that brings us to me, our podcast host and resident Jew, despite being, <laughs> being raised in a Jewish household. I'm pretty sure I love Christmas movies just about more than anybody. Uh, and my father always loved Christmas Story. I've been watching that since I was a kid. Christmas Story is absolutely my favorite Christmas movie. And I'm over here drinking a little bit of spicy, hot cider rum. That's what I got going on. I got Trader Joe's rum in this thing. Uh, I don't even know if you guys have Trader Joe's out there. It's kind of a, uh, a hippie California situation. Oh, we got it. We have Trader Joe's, but in Pennsylvania, the state controls the liquor. So yeah. no liquor in Trader Joe's. Nah. We could probably do a whole podcast about liquor and how the state <laughs> just gets involved in it and ruins it for we everybody. We could do a whole but... podcast about how you can't get yingling on the California coast. There you go. Uh, Odie, I think I skipped your movie already, too. We're already skipping over things. What's your favorite movie, Odie? Christmas Story. All I'm right. a sucker for the class. It's tough because there's, like, there's probably five or six super high-quality Christmas movies, but to me, you just can't get better than the Christmas story. It's just impossible. Yep. I'm surprised nobody mentioned Die Hard. I was expecting that to be a pick. Does Die Hard count? I oh. guess it, if it takes place during Christmas, it's a Christmas it, movie, right? I, it is, but it's not. We, we had a conversation with this in the car. I think. It was, it's not a central Christmas theme, though. I mean, it, you gotta have a cent- Christmas is the central theme to the movie for it to count. I mean, to me, then home, does Home Alone count? Because, I mean, Home Alone, I call, I call that a Christmas movie. It's, I, it's I, based I around agree. a Christmas vacation. I, I mean,. And it's all Christmas time. They're robbing people's Christmas houses with the gifts. No, that one, that one counts. That one definitely counts. I can't wait to look up and see that our, we've been recording for like two hours and we're still talking about <laughs> Christmas movies. So, so maybe we should get on to the actual. Hey, that's subject liberty, baby. That's our right. That is a. That is a. That's right. It's our right to talk about all this stuff and you know and sit on our, our listeners. Exactly. But you know, no, we are here for a reason. We're here because we're capping off a wonderful year. Not only for Liberty, but, you know, for the Lions of Liberty. For us, our website has just kind of exploded. It started off as a little blog back in 2011. We got our man Tommy John from TommyJohnStudios.com who built us an amazing website. And, you know, we've really gotten a lot of great traction. I know we have a lot of fans out there, a lot of readers. And now we have the Lions of Liberty podcast, just another venue in which we can advance the ideas of Liberty and talk about all this stuff that's important to us. Let's move on to our first topic, guys. What do you say? Absolutely. And this one's going to be an easy one because hey, I know it might actually be a hard one because I know it, it's just like the Christmas movies. It's going to be really hard to choose your favorite. But we're going to start with 
a little grandstanding, a little patting ourselves on the back. Patting me on the back if you want. Whatever. <laughs> I gotta know. Guys, let's go around the room. What's your favorite episode of the Lions of Liberty podcast? Your favorite podcast guest? We're gonna start with Brian in studio. Alright, well, you know, I mean, obviously it was the one I was on. But, of course. Uh, <laughs> but, Excluding your whiskey But chat. barring that, I enjoyed John Whitehead a lot, actually. I, uh, yeah. I believe the police state's a, a, a huge issue, and so, you know, I, I kinda, I kinda enjoyed that one a lot. Obviously the one with Kane was pretty interesting. Yes. Yeah. It's bringing a professional wrestler on the podcast. So those, those would be my picks. Cool. Yeah. And that was our last episode, episode 13 with John Whitehead. Be sure to check that one out. Let's toss it back across the country. Dom, what's your favorite episode of the Lions of Liberty podcast? I'm assuming you've had so much time on your, you know, your four hour commute to, to listen to these things. <laughs> yeah. I only just recently learned about streaming media though. So, um, you'll be coming to the I think probably the Julie Baraski episode. I'm just a big fan of hers. Maybe because she's hot. Maybe because she's funny. I'm not really sure. Um, but I didn't have to go with that. I was also pretty impressed. Uh, but you've had a quite an impressive list of guests, and you know, being kind of removed from it for the year, I was I was kind of shocked. Uh, so good work. Kind of shocked. Dom had so little faith in my ability to reach out and get a hold of the ho- the best and hottest names in the Liberty Movement. <laughs> but I think we've done just that, or to some extent. We've had a lot of good names. We have a lot of good names planned for the next year. And that, Julie Baraski, that's episode 12, Token Libertarian Girl. Be sure to check that one out, too. Let's go to our Pittsburgh boys. Odie, what's your favorite episode of the Lions Liberty Podcast? I've got to go with Kane, Glenn Jacobs. He's just boy. impressed with how well-read he was, um, how articulate he was. I, I thought he was just a, a great voice for Liberty. Hopefully he continues to continues to write, and uh, hopefully he runs for political office. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to say. He was definitely a great guest. He, he didn't sound too enthusiastic about the idea of running for office. What, that's the kind of the impression that I got from him. But who knows? He would definitely be an amazing voice and an intimidating voice. And I'd love to see just that that seven foot tall monstrous man in the Senate just going off on rants. I think we'd all like to see that. And Trent, what about you? What's your favorite episode of the Lions Liberty Podcast? It's a hard choice. There was a lot of good ones, but the Roger Stone one definitely stole my heart. Wow. He was excellent. <laughs> I have to admit. <laughs> I, uh, when I heard he was, he was coming on there, that, uh, I started digging up questions from way back when. We had a couple questions on the show from Trent. He was definitely an interesting guest. You know, Roger Stone, that was back in episode 11. Definitely, uh, he's kind of been a political insider for over 40 years. So if there's anybody that knows some things, it's Roger Stone about the inner workings of politics, the kind of sort of shady stuff people will do, up to and including murder, to attain and retain power. So uh, definitely an interesting episode. And now i got to toss it back here into the studio. To me, i got to agree with Odie. My favorite episode is my interview with Glenn Jacobs, also known as Kane. And that's not to knock any of my guests, because I've had some absolutely amazing guests, uh, people that have been heroes of mine, Walter Block. Uh, we had Chris Rossini on. Brian McWilliams. Brian McWilliams, John Odermatt, <laughs> those guys. Uh, some really great guests, but I, I've been a wrestling fan, as you guys know. I get a lot of flack for it, so I know you know. Uh, so, and I've been a fan of Glenn and his character Kane for many years, so it was really cool to just actually speak to somebody that I've seen on TV for so long and just find out the real person behind, behind that mask and behind that intimidating figure. And he's actually just incredibly nice and, as you said, Odie, articulate guy. Amazing voice for Liberty. Now we're going to go to a, a really big segment that we got planned here. This is our naughty or nice segment. What we're going to do here is we're going to go. I got a list of names. 
Names that have been in the news, names that some of which have been associated with the Liberty Movement, other ones just kind of generally well-known names or people. And I'm just going to get to a quick naughty or nice. I'm going to name them, and everyone's going to give their opinion. Have they been naughty? Have they been nice this year? And a quick reason why. And how, you know, basically trying to relate this mostly to the Liberty Movement. Are they helping advance Liberty? Are they hurting the cause of Liberty? So on and so forth. So we're going to go down the list, and I'll go in our same order that we've established. We're going to start with, it's kind of a toss-up, a softball. We're going to start with our man, Ron Paul. Brian, what do you think of Ron Paul this year? Well, I mean, empirically, I'd say, uh, I'd say nice. I'm tempted to say naughty, though, because sometimes he's back rand in certain situations where I well, wouldn't want to be a contrarian. I don't want to be a contrarian, but I'm just saying. He backs his son. Who can fault a man for backing his blood? So overall, okay, he's nice. All right, we got a nice for Ron Paul. Odie, what do you think? I've got to say nice for Ron Paul. It's been different to see him out of politics. He's had a little more freedom, but he's, he's definitely done well for Liberty this year. Trent, how about you? Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to say Ron Paul's nice. He's Now that he's not involved in politics, not that Ron was ever went out of his way to be politically correct, but he's definitely more focused on, on the energy of the liberty movement and giving interviews to numerous parties and saying it like it is. So, you know, how do you not give him a nice? Right, and Dom, tossing it back to New Jersey. Dom, what do you think? Ron Paul, naughty or nice? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's almost a uh, ridiculous question, I guess. It's like, you know, air, is it essential or excessive? I mean, it's an easy, it's an easy one. Uh, yeah, nice. Um, I like that he's staying active. He's, he's an old man, let's not forget. And he's still uh, coming out with a lot of energy with his podcast and all that. So uh, definitely nice. All right. And back to me. I, I got to agree with everyone here. Ron Paul is nice. I don't always agree with him. I probably agree with him 99% of the time. <laughs> Once in a while, he says something where I go, eh, I don't know, Ron. But overall, obviously, he's the man that got most of us involved in one way or another in the liberty movement. Um, you know, being away from Congress has freed him to start his other projects, the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. Uh, he's got a Ron Paul homeschooling program coming out. And he's generally just out there doing interviews, doing podcasts, and really almost even more unleashed than he was <laughs> when he was in Congress. And we know he didn't even hold back there. So I got to agree with you guys. Ron Paul gets a nice. Now we move on. This is kind of a softball, too, in its own way, on the other side. It's a very prominent senator by the name of Lindsey Graham. Brian McWilliams, what are you thinking of Lindsey Graham? Naughty or nice? I'll keep it short. I'm just going to say naughty and let other people tell me All right, why. yeah. I, th I think some other people will have some thoughts on that. Dom, I want to get back to the original order. I know I bounced around a little bit. We're going to toss it back to Dom. Dom, what do you think? Lindsey Graham, naughty or nice? Man, it's, uh, you know, you almost have to assume naughty. It's hard to even listen to him, really. I mean, it's the same old story always. We're going to bomb somebody. Um, we're going to support the troops and then bomb somebody. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Um, I, I, naughty for sure. Uh, for the same old reasons he's always been. Uh, he's the same old hack. Same old hack. What about you, Odie? What do you think of that Lindsey Graham character? Naughty or nice? I'm going to have to say Lindsey Graham has been nice. Naughty. Definitely naughty. Not <laughs> nice. Oh, look at this guy trying to mess with now. Everything that he says is the worst. That's a quote I'm going to remember. Everything he says is the worst. <laughs> Trent, what do you think about our yeah, boy Lindsey Graham? Naughty or nice? I can't stray far from you guys. I mean, obviously, he's the worst guy on the planet. <laughs> Close to the worst guy on the planet. Probably not the worst, but... You know, him and John McCain, they were, they were beating the drum for the Syria invasion and they're always up to their same old tricks. He was beating on Ted Cruz just for representing the people that elected him and 
you know, getting him into office and basically giving Ted Cruz a hard time for representing his constituency. And I think she's just the, the cornerstone of crony politics. So definitely naughty. Yeah, and we'll talk more about Ted Cruz later. He's another one on our list here. But yeah, generally, Lindsey Graham is the same guy he's always been. He is naughty. I agree with you guys. Uh, he's pretty much always constantly calling for more war, more imperialism, more police state measures, pretty much more of everything that anybody remotely interested in the or accepting of the ideas of liberty is against. So, again, yeah. we all agree. Ding, ding, ding. Sorry, Lindsey. Naughty. Naughty boy this year. <laughs> We're going to move on from our softballs, try to get a little more interesting. Our next guy on our list, prominent radio personality. This guy appeared on Piers Morgan, went on a gun rant. A lot of people call this guy a crazy conspiracy theorist. What do you guys think? Alex Jones. Naughty or nice, Brian? Uh, I'm going to say, even though I, I support a lot of Alex Jones' positions, and I think I'm going to say naughty just because he... Like a lot of the other people, he looks upon as a libertarian, and people view him as a libertarian guy, and he's giving uh, libertarians a bad name. You know, people see him as as being this crazy kind of kook, and it doesn't do any any of us rational people any favors. So I, I'm going to say, uh, despite you know his his good deeds, I'm going to say he ends up with a naughty son. All right, Dom, what do you think about Alex Jones? Has he been naughty or nice? Oh, he makes me feel naughty. He's a guilty partner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say nice. He gives me a lot of enjoyment. Um, some of the stuff's, you know, I don't know uh, what kind of audience we're getting for these podcasts, but that shit crazy. The best that. one ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I enjoy, I enjoy his work, to be honest with you. Um, it's kind of that, uh, with the word is for uh, tabloid type fun um, that a lot of times lends some credence to the stuff we say, right? He's definitely the TMZ of the Libertarian. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, back over to Pittsburgh. Odie, what do you think of Alex Jones? Is he naughty or nice? Alex Jones, you know, he's a little bit over dramatic, a little bit, uh, you know, over the top, but just for his uh, critiquing Piers Morgan in a British accent live on TV, <laughs> I will give him nice for the year. That was awesome. All right, Trent, what do you think about Alex Jones? Naughty or nice? It's the same same feeling for me. He's he's borderline nice for me because you got to give the guy respect for going on national TV and really getting in the face of the gun control crowd and basically just the, the status crowd. On, on the other hand, on a naughty note, you have to look at some of the things he speaks about on his uh, radio show and, and categorize him as sensationalist at best. So he's nice, but he's, he's got his drawbacks. Got it. And, you know, go back. it's a tough one for me because, I started listening to Alex Jones. I, pro I probably first got interested in Alex Jones due to a link to a Ron Paul interview in like 2006, 2007. And yeah, I thought he was saying some crazy, outrageous stuff. But a lot of the stuff he was saying, talking about the police state, the GPSs in our cars, stuff mm -hmm. like that, that sounded so crazy, is literally happening yeah. right now. So you know, I think I'm, I was very tempted to give him a naughty because I think he does come across very bad in public in a lot of ways. The way he kind of goes on rants, comes across as a raving lunatic. Uh, if people associate him with libertarians, that could really cause some issues, uh, which is you know something we'll discuss with a lot of these people. Uh, when people associate certain people with libertarianism, that can be an issue. But overall, you know, he has a lot of great guests, comes to a lot of conclusions too quickly, I think. But in general, he's entertaining. He gets a lot of people listening to his show, and he brings up a lot of important points, even when I think he reaches some wrong conclusions. So, Alex Jones, I'm going to give you a nice for 2013. 
Now, moving along, this is somewhat of a softball, again. Our departing Federal Reserve Chairman, Mr. Ben Bernanke. <laughs> Brian, Happy what trails. do you think of Ben Bernanke? Happy trails! Ben Bernanke is not only naughty, I think, you know, he, after he left the Fed position, he's literally up for the new position is running as the new Prince of Hell. I think Satan's retiring, Ben Bernanke's taking over, and uh, and that's where he belongs. I couldn't, can't describe how naughty he is. All right, Tom, what do you think of our boy Ben Bernanke? I know you're a big fan of his. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an easy one as well, man. Naughty. Um, you know, this whole QE Infinity uh, crap is giving us maybe a, a nudge over 4% GDP is going to kill us in the long term. Um, you know, we got to stop looking at these things in such a short-term manner. Guys like Ben look at it quarter to quarter. It's the number that gets us excited. It's kind of crap anyway. doesn't really mean anything. Uh, we should have a whole podcast on GDP and what it means. Um but uh, taking those short chunks of time and evaluating success against it is going to kill us in 10 or 20 years. But if you look back 20 or 30, quality of life and you know, the real value of the dollar, um, I think we're going to see that, if not much worse, um, from, from all the money that's hit the ground here in the last four or five years, especially in the last two. Uh, but really, I mean, Ben is just um, part of a bigger problem. Whatever name we put up here, uh, we're saying the same thing. I don't think there's a guy who's getting nominated that, wouldn't be able to follow things that policies. All right, thanks for keeping that short. That's another. That is another naughty for our boy Ben Bernanke. Now, uh, and I believe that was also an offer from Don to come on to the podcast next week and do a, a forty-five minutes about GDP. Was that, is that what I got out of that? That's a possibility. We'll talk afterwards. All right, great. Well, we'll do some negotiating. Uh, all right, back to Pittsburgh. Odie, what do you think, Ben Bernanke? Naughty or nice? I'll just keep mine short by saying I agree with everything Don said. Ben Bernanke's definitely naughty. And also I'll say he would be naughty even if he had, was not the head of the Federal Reserve, not involved in politics, just because of his smug, condescending face. <laughs> what about his beard? And his beard, too. I don't like his beard. <laughs> All right, Trent, what do you think? Naughty or nice? I think he was so naughty that he was nice. <laughs> that, that being said, he's gone so far with the uh, easements and the dove policy of printing money that so many people have gotten wise and, and learned about the Federal Reserve in the last couple of years that you almost have to give them a nice just because people are starting to learn about what's really going on out there. That's, so. that's a good point. He's, uh, he's, he's gone he's so far the other way that he's inspired people yeah, to so, rail So is that them. almost a nice or is that, what's, what's the official? Oh, I'm going with a nice. Okay, all right. People have definitely, I, I've talked to people that I've known for years, and all of a sudden they know something about the Federal Reserve, and it blows you away. And they actually are pissed off about it, and that's a great thing for liberty. So and I think maybe that's due to kind of the extreme nature of that Bernanke goes to with you know the QE and that kind of stuff that's really in the public eye. Absolutely, and that goes for a lot of people on our on our list that we're talking about. They've taken it to such extremes that you literally have to pat them on the back because your average person out there now cares and now is intelligent and can give a good argument for why the Liberty movement is picking up steam. So, Right. It's almost got... like, uh, you know, they're taking off the mask. It's like, hey, here we are. We're, we're really bad. Like, you know, so it, once they do that, it kind of makes it easier for us to, to tell people, hey, look, look how bad this guy is. Look how ridiculous this is. Yeah, Ryan, I mean, I'm, being I'm being cute in yeah, the studio. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I just wrote an article about this uh, and posted it yesterday, but it was a, a new poll got taken by Gallup. And it showed that they pulled people that said, what's the biggest threat to the U.S.? Is it big government, big labor, or uh, big business? And for the first time ever, big government was the biggest concern. 72% of the people said big government. And to see you said you give Bernanke credit for, for waking people up to what's wrong with the Fed, 
it's funny. I give credit to Obamacare, and I give credit to, obviously, Edward Snowden and the NSA uh, exposing the prism scandal there because it's woken people up. So, you know, it's the same thing. You give people credit for uh, for kind of bringing this out. It's the only benefit of Obamacare. It's woken people up to the dangers of big government oversight over everything. Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, you have senior citizens out there that are earning, you know, 2%, actually 2% would be nice, you know, 0.6% on their money market funds. All of a sudden, those people start caring about Federal Reserve policy and what a fiat currency is really all about. Mm-hmm. If you want to wake people up, you got to hit them in the pocketbook, and Ben's done that. You can't take it from him. Except right. where are senior citizens getting their news from? They're getting it from CNN and CNBC, and they're not necessarily getting the, the full story. Are you um, trying to say the Lions Liberty podcast does not have a strong like, senior citizen? <laughs> I mean, my dad listens to the show. I mean, I like to think we got a broad demographic, but no, it's a good point, you know. You know, the older generations are likely still getting a lot of their news from regular newspapers, from corporate mainstream news, NBC, that kind of thing. Whereas, you know, the younger you get in the demographic, the more likely they're to be on the Internet, you know, getting their their news from Facebook and Twitter and, you know, LionsofLiberty.com, Lions of Liberty podcast, that kind of thing. But and toss it back to me for Ben Bernanke. I totally agree with what Trent is saying, but ultimately I can't I got to give the guy a naughty. He's printing money. He's creating money out of thin air. He's stealing from savers. Sorry, buddy. Naughty for you. This eggnog is so thick, I'm dying. All right. We're going to move on. Now, this is not someone I'm as directly familiar with as some of you guys, but we're going to go to a little guy. He's the governor. He's not a little guy. He's a guy who is the governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. Ryan, what do you think of Chris Christie? Naughty or nice? Uh, I'm I'm gonna say naughty for Chris Christie. I, I'm just I, I'm just overall not a, a big fan of his. Honestly, I don't agree with any of his. I don't think any of his points <laughs> that he's ever made. All right, we'll toss it to someone probably more familiar with him than anyone else living in his state that he is the governor of over New Jersey. Dom, what do you think of Chris Christie? Naughty or nice? Oh, at, at a national level, which is where he spends a lot of his time, definitely naughty. He, uh, you know, some shots he took against Rand. Not that I'm here to talk about Rand being awesome or anything, but um, you know, kind of always advocating security over liberty, um, outrightly. I mean, he said, I can't remember the exact quote, but uh, yeah, I, I remember. I know exactly what you're talking. About. I, I wish I remember the quote too. I mean, he says things that make you cringe. You know, he's he's a he's a party guy. He'll, he's trying to get popular. He's doing dumb things. But I got I got to admit though, on a local level, um, a little bit nice. He did some things. Um, you know, and that's in the the arena of other New Jersey governors, maybe. But he's done a lot of good things um, as far as getting the budget under control. He's created a lot of enemies in the teachers' unions, which um, he's accurately called kind of the biggest bully in the state. And he's, he's turned some things around. But uh, I think um, if I had to choose, I'd go, with, I'd go with Naughty. I just wanted to throw out the, some nice things he did do. All right. And what do you guys think over in Pittsburgh? Odie, what about Chris Christie? Naughty or nice? Well, I've got to say, until, until a minute ago, I didn't realize that Chris Christie had called teachers' unions the biggest bully in the state, when he, by far, has to be the biggest bully in the state. The governor who is looting old taxpayers. I mean, that's the definition of a bully. But I thought you were talking physically the biggest bully in the state. <laughs> he might be both categories, actually. Maybe that as well, but he's a bully, and he is definitely naughty, without a doubt. Trent, how about you? Naughty or nice for Chris Christie? I liked a lot of what Dom said. If I was a, a resident of New Jersey... I would be saying nice, but as a, a resident of Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania and a Pittsburgher, it's it's very disturbing every time you drive down the road and see a stronger than the storm billboard on the highway. 
<laughs> pisses me off because we deal with cold weather and just living in Pittsburgh, which is a great place, but we don't get the shore. And when you get the shore, you get hurricanes. And that's just part of living with the shore. Just like living in California, you live with, with earthquakes. You know, that's, that's not the rest of the country's job to bail out New Jersey for a hurricane. And he was all over Obama with that one. All right. Yeah. It's the problem of the socialization of risk. You know, the government always wants to say, what about the poor people that had the earthquakes? And I, I, I'm sitting on a fault line. I can have an earthquake. Right. What about the poor people with the hurricanes? Well, the fact is every, every piece of property, if we're, if we lived in a private property society, has certain systemic, you know, or geographic risks that come with it. And people should, you know, buy insurance based on those risks. But when the government tries to socialize it, then it just becomes a big money grab, a big crony capitalist money grab. And Chris Christie was dipping his hand in that, in that crony oh, yeah. capitalist pot as much All as he could. Fact. So for that, he gets a naughty for me. I want to go to that, back to that billboard real quick. Can you talk about what that billboard you mentioned, Trent? Cause I, for, I'm not familiar with it and I'm sure some of our listeners are not either. It was actually a billboard that was posted in, within driving distance of New Jersey. And it was a poster that said stronger than the storm. That was their slogan. And it showed a, a young boy on it playing on the beach. And it was basically a, a billboard that was promoting coming back to the Jersey shore for the summer, you know, for like 4th of July and Memorial day. And basically saying that the New Jersey shore is open for business. And the problem with that is I have no, no problem with New Jersey spending its state earned tax dollars in other states to promote tourism. But as we all know, there was a fair amount of money that went to New Jersey to help rebuild and that came from a federal budget. And Chris Christie was certainly a champion of that. Yeah, so. I mean, it's like we're taking money from people in Iowa, Texas, Hawaii to pay for the New Jersey government to buy billboards in Pennsylvania. I mean, it's just, it's just yeah. absolutely mad. Being from the state, uh, I think it gives some credence on how damn annoying the whole thing was as well. Um, besides billboards, there was commercial campaigns. I don't know if trying to you guys see them all the way out in Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, they they had commercial campaigns too. I mean, it was everywhere, Dom. You know, we don't like the fact that a lot of our states sucked up resources for people who otherwise didn't take the risk to have overpriced real estate that other people are subsidizing. It was kind of a sacred part of living in my area. It's a great area. It's, we've grown up going there in the summer and this and that, and it's a, it's something we've always been envious of, and not all of us can have it. And then you know. Something happens to the people who spent all this money out there in the risky waters and didn't get the proper insurances, and now we're all up. It's a little bit unfair, um, and you don't feel that anywhere stronger than here, really, to be honest with you. But yeah, they have a, they have a jingle, they have a commercial, and you, you can't turn around. It's uh, I think it's it's more than it's welcome. People here are really tired of it. It's really a shame because it's not a knock on the people in New Jersey. It's a knock on the the government in New Jersey, because if you, if you look in the Midwest, I mean, Joplin, Missouri had a, a tornado that just leveled people's homes. And Joplin, Missouri didn't get near the exposure that, that New Jersey got. And I think it just has a lot to do with certain people pushing certain agendas and honestly, where their geographic location is being a, being a bedroom community of New York City and right, honestly, as close as you are to Washington, D.C., it's... You know, it's just not fair that the rest of the country has subsidized people's vacation homes in, in New Jersey. We couldn't agree more here. Well, some of us. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. I mean, I think we all agree on Chris Christie there. Moving along. It's an interesting one. We've got the Boston Police Department. Now, of course, we're bringing them up because there was the bombing at the marathon back in April. 
And there was, you know, what some would people would call an overreaction, or other people would call a just reaction. They essentially locked down the city uh, to find these two, you know, two suspected bombers. Nobody's been tried yet. So what do you guys think of the Boston Police Department, starting with Brian McWilliams back in the studio? Well, I've, I have a feeling I'll speak, uh, I'll speak for a lot of us when I say that they're very naughty. I don't think there's any excuse for shutting down an entire... I mean, how many blocks did they shut down over this thing where people weren't allowed to leave their houses, weren't allowed to do anything? I mean, that's that's it's insanity. It's ridiculous to, Unless to they trap people in their houses. There you go. They were raiding the Dunkin' Donuts. No, it's just, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's inexcusable that, that you would trap people and make them prisoners of their own homes, um, you know, to find these two people, and you know, it's horrible. Naughty. <laughs> All right, back to you, Dom, in New Jersey. What do you think? Uh, I know me and Mr. McWilliams don't always agree on everything and um, sometimes have some heated battles over NHL and um, foosball. <laughs> but I agree more. And, you know, what, what's even naughtier in 2013 is the reaction of people with whom I've had the same conversation who don't subscribe to uh, this podcast or, or our daily updates. I was really disappointed to hear how many people thought it was absolutely justified and necessary, and they would clearly given up the right for people to come into their homes, um, uh, you know, under this blanket of safety. Uh, it was, that was disappointing. So the, they, they were definitely naughty, and the behavior and thoughts that followed by the American public was even naughtier. Back to our boys in Pittsburgh. What do you guys think, Odie? Naughty or nice for the Boston PD? The actions of the Boston PD were completely disgusting and disturbing, and uh, just like Dom was saying, um, to, to watch how many people supported that openly. I remember our, our Facebook page, there were a couple of people that came on supporting the actions of the police, saying that they, they wouldn't have caught the guy when, in fact, they did catch the bomber. It was a private citizen that, that found the guy in his backyard once they let people leave their houses. So it, it was disturbing. And to watch some of those videos really, really shocks you, but definitely not. That was probably our most commented on Facebook post. We posted something about, I don't even remember what the exact meme was, it was just something we shared about people cheering in the streets, yay, the police saved us from this guy, and I mean, by shutting us down, by creating a police state. Right, well, it's the constant debate of security versus liberty, and I, I didn't want to bring this up because we have so many other guests and it kind of ties into the rest of them, but for Chris Christie, one of the big things that he was naughty for, I didn't bring it up because I was going to bring it up later, is that he, he said, you know, basically, he, he said that the 9-11 attacks were justification for a heightened security state. Uh, this was yeah. in, a, in a debate with, actually with Rand Paul. And, uh, you know, there, there's no excuse. It's, if you're going to sacrifice all of your liberties for security, then it, what do you have? You know, what's the, what's the point of being free? Anyway, I, I just, we'll, we'll get, we'll get more to that later, but, um, yeah, I completely yeah. agree. But yeah, it was, that was the premise of what I was saying. I mean, his whole thing with Rand was, was that very principle that, that I hate seeing so, like pervasive in the population. I mean, that, that's the thing about Rand Paul, as much as we might criticize him as we often do, on her website, like we always say, too, he's by far the best senator and often does take very correct and very, you know, good positions, especially when compared to the likes of, say, Chris Christie, who will just openly call for a police state and, and openly deride people that advocate for civil liberties. What about you, Trent? What do you think about the old Boston PD? Naughty or nice? Well, they're definitely naughty, but you have to appreciate the fact that how quickly the Boston PD tipped their hand and how fast a police state can be mobilized. I think that's terrifying. <laughs> well, it's definitely terrifying, Brian, but the thing is, is, look at how much society saw that a police state could be mobilized so quickly over something, I, I don't want to say small, but 
the, the police state took over so quickly that it's, it's terrifying, like you were saying. And what I'm saying is that the Boston PD tipped their hand to society that this could happen in a matter of minutes. Almost, so almost like, look, look how fast we can, we can give you exactly. a police state. It literally this. takes 24 That's hours for us to get it together. Right. We, we can do this at any point for almost any reason. Uh, Alex Jones had a lot of articles about the, uh, you know, the, the Department of Homeland Security stockpiling bullets. And you wonder, you see how fast Boston deployed this, this police state. And then you look at all the bullets and everything else that Homeland Security is doing and how, you know, they're stockpiling ammunition, they're stockpiling tanks, they're stockpiling everything else. How quickly on a federal level will be able to run, roll that out if they need to? What I'm saying, the, the DHS purchased 400 million rounds of ammunition this year, mm-hmm. which personally, uh, from my point of view, I think that was just a good way of getting ammunition off the marketplace for private citizens to buy. But nevertheless, that ammunition is still in the hands of government officials. And the Boston Police Department proved that with, with a matter of a few fatalities, they will completely militarize a city. And... You know, if that doesn't wake up America to the fact that this can happen in any major metropolitan area for just about any reason, you know, I don't know what will. It's, you have to look back and with everything we talk about, remind of Thomas Jefferson quote that I prefer dangerous uh, freedom over peaceful uh, slavery. And that's got to wake people up now. You got to look at some of the things that forefathers said and realize that this stuff's coming full circle now. Yeah, well, this kind of, I hate to mention the same article in the same podcast, but again, in this poll, this Gallup poll that was posted, I, I questioned, you know, people said big government was the biggest threat, but I questioned, I said, well, what do they define big government as? Because, like you said, I, I think most people would look at this rollout of the Boston Police Department and say, how impressive, how great that is, you know, oh, wow, we are so safe in this, because they don't view that as, as big government as a threat. When they think of big government, they're thinking of, the NSA and spying, they're thinking of Obamacare and fringe guns thing. They're not thinking about the police state and how that is big government. That is what can happen in, a, in an instant. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's so frightening. It's unbelievable. And, and people are, are feel a sense of security until they're the target of it. Right. So they're the, they're the one that, that fits the profile of the person who committed the crime, or at least is suspected of committing the crime. Now, all of a sudden, you're not feeling so safe. And what happens when a large percentage of the population is now that suspect because they may not have views that align with what the popular government is speaking to? It can happen fast. Mm-hmm. Not to not to drag this out, but a, a, I think an important point to, to think about. Um, Boston, obviously a very liberal area. Um, probably not every area would be nearly as submissive to a police state as, as yeah, the Boston, Massachusetts true. area. Um, a lot of places in America, I, I don't think that would have gone the same way. Just, I don't know. Do you think that people would literally, I mean, if I saw the police state outside my door, I mean, even as much as I am opposed to it, I mean, what do you mean by people wouldn't take it? I mean, I guess I would take it in the sense that I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna come outside with a gun and be like, hey guys, get out of here, you police state. (laughs) I'm not saying there would have been like any conflict of any sort in a, you know, any sort of gunfire. More outrage. Saying that at all. All I'm saying is people might have, you know, just gone out and walked around and there would have been more incidents of people disobeying the the ruling or the the, uh, the edict to not leave your house. I think a, a good point to make is in Massachusetts, it's a fairly, liberal state as it relates to the Second Amendment, whereby your your average person who is occupying a property may not be fully utilizing their Second Amendment rights. And the police know that. And they're going to be a little more 
aggressive with their their demeanor if they know that people are not fully exercising their Second Amendment rights. If you were to do that same type of occupation or police state mobilization in, say, Houston, Texas or Nashville, Tennessee, it would be a totally different story from the police's point of view because you wouldn't be so aggressive to walk into somebody else's house who you knew could potentially be exercising that Second Amendment right on their own personal property. Right, and the police officers themselves in that case might have a different attitude as people that live in those areas as well. I mean, let's not forget that the police officers are people too, even when we disagree with what they're doing. So I think it's a possible you might see a lot more, and maybe I just have too much optimism here, but you might see a lot more police officers in, the, in some of those places actually themselves maybe objecting to what they're doing or, or you know, maybe not be as enthusiastic about it. I think you're absolutely correct. When it all comes down to it, the the politicians need citizens to take on these roles to carry out their plans. And if the citizens start having second thoughts about what they're doing, even if it is, quote unquote, their job, it's going to make carrying out their plan much more difficult. All right. I think that's a pretty good good little rant we had on the Boston PD topic. I'm glad we brought that one up. That was a trend suggestion, by the way. i got to give you credit for that. That, that produced a good little combo. And obviously, my official word on them, it is naughty. As much as I, I do agree with Trent's perspective, uh, it gives us something to point to and say, hey, look, look what this is. Look what they're doing. This was just one guy. They killed a few people with a bomb. Imagine another 9-11. Imagine the kind of response that we might get to that. But, hey, the police state's always naughty to me. So naughty, 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 Boston PD. I did not mean to rhyme there, by the way, at all. All right, let's move along. We're going to get to an interesting one right now. We're going to go over to a man named Ted Cruz, a prominent new senator in the United States Senate. He's popular with a lot of conservatives. He's popular with a lot of libertarians, even. Ted Cruz, Brian McWilliams, naughty or nice? In the context, because I obviously am a very harsh critic of Rand Paul who walks that line, I'll say Ted Cruz is nice because he, it, because I view him primarily as a conservative Republican GOP the wool and uh you know but he has he he's done some good things for liberty again standing up to to chris christie and uh so i'll i'll give him a nice while vehemently saying i do not endorse a watchful nice a A a, a nice nice. but i got an eye on you it's a it's a it's a uh, like a peppermint uh candy cane with like two pieces of coal fast forward six months we're going to see some brian mcwilliams anti-ted cruz articles (laughs) i'm pretty excited about it all right let's toss it over to you dom what do you think about our boy ted cruz naughty or nice I could think a second or two about this one, um, but I think ultimately I'm going to go with nice. Uh, I think his filibuster was largely largely dramatic and uh, might not have done much, but it's it's kind of admirable that somebody stands up and calls attention to something, uh, no matter how ill-conceived it may be. I got to respect that. Um, and, you know, actually, he comes across, especially with the media coverage of him, as kind of a, uh, you know, run-of-the-mill conservative that says the straight conservative things, but... He sometimes um, is sort of eloquent in the way he delivers a message and has facts with reason and constitutional knowledge. I'm going to give him a nice. All right, that's, an, that's two nices for Ted Cruz so far. Let's see what our Pittsburgh boys think. What do you think, Odie? Ted Cruz, naughty or nice? Ted Cruz is a tough one. Um, he's, he's a polarizing figure. He, uh, he says a lot of great things. He, he you know, talks the talk, if you will. His rhetoric is pretty good towards liberty. But uh, when you start to look into his... His past a little bit, and even just into uh, the fact that his wife works for Goldman Sachs, you start to question, you know, where's this guy coming from? And I got full disclosure, I haven't done a full background check on Ted Cruz, but I'm a little skeptical of the guy. Um, I, I don't trust him yet, that's for sure. 
So I'm definitely, definitely a watchful eye on Ted Cruz, but I'll give him a nice for this year so far. All right. Ted Cruz is three and oh so far. Wow. Trent, what do you think? Naughty or nice? It would be a cautiously nice for me. And the main reason for that is Ted Cruz acknowledges that he was basically elected by his constituency to halt Obamacare at any level. And he did do that. You have to give him credit for that. He stood up there and did everything possible to to hold up uh, a law that was unpopular across the United States and certainly in Texas. On another note, though, his some of his, his social agenda, I, I would definitely disagree with. I think a lot of his social agenda marches all over civil liberties. So in that regard, I would give him a naughty. But definitely overall, it would be a cautious, nice, just because he did represent the people that elected him to go to Washington for a certain agenda item. All right. Well, so far, Ted Cruz is coming in with a 4-0. and But I'm sorry to say he's not going to leave with a perfect record because <laughs> I am going to give Ted Cruz... But it's also a tepid naughty, because I do agree with your a lot of what you guys are saying. And he is not necessarily, I don't see him as associated with libertarianism as much. So I do, you know, like a lot of you guys see him more in the context of a quote-unquote conservative Republican. Obviously standing up against Obamacare and that kind of thing is good. But it's really not that different from a lot of what, you know, any other mainstream Republican would do. My problem with Ted Cruz, and it comes back to what has always been one of my biggest issues, is foreign policy. I think foreign policy and war is is a real litmus test for me because it's really easy to take kind of, you know, those um, small government stances at home. Oh, yeah, I don't think the government should be involved in health care and all that. It takes some real balls, so to speak, to take a strong stance against intervention overseas. And that is something that I, I wouldn't even say he just failed on. Ted Cruz is the opposite. He actually rails for and more aggressive. To me, it seems like a more aggressive foreign policy. He came out against the Iran peace deal. I think there are there are imperfections with that deal that were made, absolutely. But my issues with that deal are probably very different than Ted Cruz's. Ted Cruz is more concerned that, you know, Iran is a threat to the world. Iran is building nukes, all this, all the same kind of neocon line based on absolutely no actual evidence. And uh, he's very, very much taken a hawkish position overseas. And to me, as a libertarian, as someone you know, firmly opposed to war, firmly opposed to foreign intervention in almost all cases. I have to give Ted Cruz a naughty on this round. Sorry, I thought I really, I got excited for the guy for a second. I thought he might, you know, go a full 5-0 and on the nicest, but sorry, Ted, not going to happen today. You're naughty for 2013 for me, but like the other guys, I got a watchful eye on you. I'm open-minded. If you do good, I'll praise you, and if you don't, I'll criticize you. That's simple. All right, a couple more names we're going to pound out here. For the naughtier nice list. This one on its surface might be easy, but there's, let's see. Let's find out. Edward Snowden. Brian McWilliams, naughty or nice? Edward Snowden. Well, he's, he's clearly nice. Clearly, Edward Snowden, I, I think he did a gigantic service for the entire country. He is a hero, uh, period. I know some people come out, including Rand Paul, saying he should be prosecuted. Uh, I think he's a hero. He is the nicest nice of all. All right. Dom Sidoti back in New Jersey. What do you think of Ed Snowden? Naughty or nice? Uh, me and McWilliams really have uh, turned the corner here, I think. Henry <laughs> <laughs> Moore, nicest and nice. Um, big fan of what he did. Um, it, you know, it took a lot for him, too. I don't think he wanted all this. I think he wanted to seek asylum in Russia and deal with uh, the fall he did. I think uh, a strong nice. You know, he, he leaked information that things very important and I'm pretty shocked about. I mean, if people aren't shocked by what he revealed, then 
Um, they need to really reevaluate their lives. Um, but I'm uh, I'm impressed by what he did, and you know a lot of this stuff we would have never found out, um, or if we did, would have found out 30, 40 years after anybody that mattered could be held accountable. Uh, I think he's a big nice. All right, back to the Pittsburgh boys. Odie, what do you think about Ed Snowden? Naughty or nice? Ed Snowden is the anti-Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham is the <laughs> worst person on the list. I would say Ed Snowden probably takes him. He's the nicest person on the list. He gets the nice, nice of the year award. Nicer than Ron Paul even, huh? Nicer than yeah. Ron Paul. I yeah, that's that. impressive. Yeah, Ron, Ron Paul. Hey, Ron <laughs> Paul, step up. Uncover some secrets, huh? You lazy old 79-year-old. He just got lapped by Ed Snowden, Ron Paul. Sorry. At least, at least we know Odie's well. All right, Trent, what do you think about Ed Snowden? Naughty or nice? Yeah, Odie said it. I mean, Edward Snowden's the, the best, best guy on the list. I mean, imagine basically surrendering everything you've worked for and everything you know and being extradited out of your own country for talking about the atrocities it's committed. And, you know, the politicians and the lawmakers are treating him as a traitor. And yet a fair amount of this population is interested in hearing what he has to say, but yet he has to hide offshore because he's viewed as a traitor here. And, that's that's just not right. I mean, that guy lost a lot to, to come out and say what he said. A lot of the other people on our list haven't made the personal sacrifices Edward Snowden's made this year. So, yeah. high hey, five, Ed. Barack Obama, uh, not on our list, but a definite naughty, having been the one who initiated the extraditing of Edward Snowden, trying to get him out of there and prosecuting in the first place. Yeah, no, we didn't even put Obama on this well, list it's today. A, it's we? a foregone conclusion. Yeah, I mean, I, I get. I mean, there's a couple ways. Just like everybody, you go a couple ways on Obama. Um, all right, now I'm going to take. I'm not going to say I'm going to take a different stance on Ed Snowden because on the surface, I, I agree with you guys, and I do give him a nice. Obviously, it's a good thing to disclose anything the government is doing involving spying the police state and all that. But I do want to add a little asterisk, a little caveat, a little something that just sits in the back of my mind, and I just something to put out there that we should all just keep in mind as maybe more revelations come forward with the Ed Snowden thing. The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is how much the mainstream media promoted the Edward Snowden revelations. Um, it was I, the only, I mean, I, my parents were asking me about it. My sister was asking about it. They, they don't normally ask me about things like that. They don't normally bring that stuff up. So that gives me a little cue. It's, it's, it's just a little kind of curiosity. Why is this such a big media hype? Why would the media promote something when typically they always cover up the government's crimes? They cover up the government's atrocities. So it's the only thing that gives me just a slight amount of pause with Edward Snowden. And whenever the media promotes something, you got to think, what is the reason? Why is this happening? And now we're seeing a lot of hearings with Ed Snowden, uh, you know, talking about those revelations, talking about the NSA, and we've even even seen some court some court things happening, some court decisions involving the NSA spying. And my my concern is that these Edward Snowden revelations about how the NSA has been spying us through all sorts of different means will lead to the legal discussion of NSA spying, and lead to court decisions revolving NSA spying lead to congressional hearings, and my fear is that the result is a lot of this stuff will become legalized. A lot of this stuff will become, oh, we'll find ways where we can call it legal, but we'll put these quote-unquote protections in for the citizens, that kind of thing, so that eventually, because of these revelations and such a big media story, now we can all hail whatever Congress passes or whatever the Supreme Court says that quote-unquote protects the citizens while leaving the overall spying apparatus in place and that's my concern. And I'm not even saying that's necessarily Edward Snowden as some mastermind manipulator. He can definitely just be kind of tool in that cog. But 
That is my asterisk. That is my concern about the Edward Snowden thing. Based on what I know, I gotta give him a nice. Obviously, for the same reasons you guys do. Well, hey, good news, by the yeah. way, Mark. Uh, there was a, uh, a, a district judge, but Judge Leon recently had an opinion piece because there was a, a lawsuit brought against, you know, against basically the NSA spying, uh, tapping people's phones. And he wrote an opinion piece, 68 pages, but basically came out and saying it, it completely violated the Fourth Amendment. So while it wasn't a ruling, hopefully that is an indicator uh, that people will follow. All right. Well, let's hope so. Fingers All right, crossed. All right, guys. We're going to go to a guy named Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia. What do you guys think about Vladimir Putin? I'm not going to set up the reasons he might possibly be nice or naughty. I'll let you guys do that. Brian, Vladimir Putin, naughty or nice? Oh, my God. E empirically, as a human being against all humanity, he is naughty. However, I will say he is nice for one reason, and it uh, is honestly just a, a little shot he gave Obama about uh, the spying. Is that They had asked him in a, in a recent interview about the NSA spying, and he said he was just envious of Obama because... Even he, as the over-dictator of the uh, the Soviet <laughs> Empire, former Soviet Empire, he said he would never be able to get away with it, and he was envious of Bob for being able to get away with a thing like that. <laughs> that so is, that's pretty funny. I give him a nice for that, but overall, what a horrible human being. <laughs> that is a funny line. You're going official nice, though. I just want for, for Italian purposes. Gonna, just for the sake of in the tally, I'll say All right. Nice. All right, Tom. Tossing it to New Jersey. What do we think about... Vladimir Putin, you're technically the closest to Russia, so you probably know. <laughs> Actually, I probably am in California. I do Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Palin geography. So. <laughs> that was a good one. I'm shocked at my answer, but I'm going to say nice uh, for a lot of reasons Brian mentioned. And mm. He may have, and maybe not, maybe it's unfairly attributed, but he may have kept us out of the war. And he really, I don't know if you guys heard any of the uh, New York Times letter he wrote, the uh, New York Letter to America, or whatever it was called. Yeah, heard about it, read it. Is this regarding Syria you're referring to? Yeah, can you sum up that letter for the for the listeners? Yeah, that I, I, I know what you're talking about, but just for everybody. Yeah, we were the guys who came in and solved the problem in America. Maybe you should take a look at yourself and not believe in your exceptionalism or throw your exceptionalism around so much. Um, he kind of questioned our policies and kind of patted them back on the fact that he came up with a reasonable solution to not bomb the hell out of another Middle East country. You know, whatever his motives were, it made us pause and um, was more of a reaction to our politics than our own government was going to react to. It was a large outcry from the country. As far as I can remember, I was kind of really optimistic about the polling numbers, about what to do in Syria. Um, but that didn't seem to matter. Um, Obama was sort of taking this, well, I know better than them attitude. Um, and of all people, Putin stepped in and <laughs> yeah. listened to our worries. Uh, so he really kind of you know, kind of made a fool out of the apparatus, and um, that was enjoyable to watch. I, uh, I give him a nice for that. Yeah, very very good point. All right, Pittsburgh boys. Odie, what do you think about Vladimir Putin? Naughty or nice? Vladimir, um, it's, I mean, I, I do understand. I'll give him a hat tip for the, uh, the the New York Times piece that he wrote. That was great, but I, I think I can't give him credit for stopping a war. I think the American people stopped that war. I think really the liberty movement, the growth of liberty movement, and the education coming from the Liberty Movement stopped that war. So I can't give him credit for that. And after all, he is still the head of a very tyrannical uh, Russian regime. And we can't look past that. i got to give him a naughty. All right. That's our first naughty for Vladdy. Can I just want to add one thing? It's this tyrannical. I, I just want to give a quick applause. I don't applaud our government much, but I do have to say I am a huge fan of our government. They're sending 
two openly gay athletes to the uh, the Sochi Olympics and kind of rubbing in it in Russia's oh, face. I, don't, I honestly I didn't really even know about that. that. Yeah, there's yeah, they're sending uh, Billie Jean King and another two-time uh, medal-winning Olympian, another woman who's openly lesbian. All right, Trent, what do you think of Vladimir Putin? Now, Vladimir Putin, uh, the person is is definitely a naughty, but Vladimir Putin, the statesman, is a nice. And the reason being is Odermatt hit the hit the nail on the head. The American people definitely stopped the war, potential World War Three or you know occupation of Syria. You, you call it whatever it would have been, but Vladimir Putin was definitely the, the spark and the the international politician that stood up to what was going to happen in Syria. And if I can take it a step further, there, there's a lot of talk about Iran enriching uranium. And I, I truly believe this is the real reason that Iran is trying to enrich uranium. They just don't want to be pushed around on an international scale. Our government would think twice about invading a country that has a nuclear weapon. And that's why North Korea has done it. That's why Iran's trying to do it. That's why Turkey has done it. And this this is something we need to consider as a, as a country that the countries that are enriching uranium are doing this for a reason. It, it's not that they're trying to do it for an offensive measure. They're doing it because they just don't want to be pushed around on an international scale. And I think Vladimir Putin stood up for Syria probably because they have a lot of foreign trade issues with them that they want to protect. But by the same token, you know, countries deserve a fair amount of individualism. And we were about to walk all over that. So I have to give Vladimir Putin a nice for for uh, stopping a, a very major international incident. All right. So far, our shirtless, bare-riding um, Russian president is <laughs> three and one. He's got three nices. Naughty for taking off a shirt, though. <laughs> three <laughs> nices and one naughty. And uh, this is a tough one for me, actually, because as I said earlier, you know, with Ted Cruz, I mean, my biggest issue is is foreign policy, is anti-war, and I do give Putin credit for stopping or at least a partial credit for stopping that war, you know, in terms of diplomatically, you know, what he did at the UN, what Russia did at the UN to stop the resolution that would have directly led to war to Syria. But, you know, sometimes you got to take a step back. And as Odie pointed out, you got to think about it in a grander scale. I mean, this is the head of a very tyrannical, large state. I mean, he's not exactly a good guy. Anytime you're looking at what he's doing, he's you got to think about the strategy. He's doing this for strategic reasons, you know. You know, Russia, Russia has a certain relationship with Syria. Obviously, Russia doesn't want the United States to gain more power in those resource-rich areas. So I, I don't... He's obviously not some kind of anti-war zealot. I mean, he's launched plenty of his own wars on his own. So I have to go with Odie here and say that I credit the Liberty Movement, the the people that are pushing, you know, this anti-war kind of mindset in the United States that really prevented the American politicians and the president from launching this war... And because I, I feel like they would have done it, even with Putin aside, regardless if it wasn't for that. And considering who the guy is, even though I like what he said in the New York Times piece, I like what he did at the UN shutting down that resolution. I still look at the bigger picture. He's still Vladimir Putin. He's still the president of Russia, a fairly tyrannical place in the in the grand scheme of things. So sorry, Vladdy. Despite your good deeds, I give you a naughty. If I could, I think it bears mentioning though. Uh... What I'll call the Trent Seaman defense. What a message that was that that's the guy who came out against our guy, the leader of the bastion of freedom world, supposedly, um, was the guy that sort of saved the day. If anything, it, it lent credence to us um, and what we say about 
about distrusting our government and standing up for such ridiculous nonsense. All right, here's a good one. This is one that should that should inspire a little discussion. Adam Kokesh, a man who has been a, a big-time libertarian activist for a number of years, a veteran of the Iraq War, was the leader of the group Veterans Against against the Iraq War, and a prominent you know, podcast host, all that stuff, and he had his march plan against D.C., that kind of uh, an armed march on D.C., you know, a place where open carry is illegal, and he that kind of fell apart, and he did his own thing. He did a YouTube video with him loading a shotgun, an illegal act there in D.C., and, you know, he, he served some time in jail. His legal status is still in question, but uh, he served a lot of time in jail. He's still waiting his, you know, his formal trial. What do you guys think of Adam Kokesh? Brian McWilliams, naughty or nice? He is clearly nice. You're talking about a person who's making sacrifices. Adam Kokesh has put everything on the line. As he said, his legal status is up in question. Uh, he was detained without even being charged for anything for some two months, I think. I mean, the guy, from a libertarian standpoint, the guy has done nothing to violate any constitutional standpoint, any constitutional mandate. So he is a huge nice, and uh, I, I hope he is free soon. All right, Dom, what do you think about Adam Kokesh? Is he naughty or nice? Yeah, I'll shadow Brian's comments. Uh, he's definitely nice. Um, and, you know, one of the things that stands out to me um, is that he put it online as well. You know, anybody, you know, some people criticize that, you know, that he pleaded guilty and got out in four and a half months. But. I mean, which one of us would be willing to do four and a half months? I mean, I'm not even willing to write an article for the damn website anymore. <laughs> and, uh, this guy's sitting in the jail cell for four and a half months, um, and uh, that, that's a strong statement, and he, you know, a lot on the line. So I'm I'm a big fan, um, and I think it's I think it's a nice. All right, we go to Odie. Naughty or nice on Adam Kokesh? Yeah, I actually wrote a Friday uh, Friday about Adam Kokesh um, when this occurred, and. Um, Something that people maybe forget about is what he did is he really combined two amendments together, the Second Amendment and the First Amendment, and uh, mixed them together, and uh, it got him arrested. Um, so he, you know, took took a gun into a, a zone in D.C. that said you you can't have a gun; it's a it's a gun-free zone, and he exercised his First Amendment rights at the same time, um, speaking out against the government, and that got him raided. His house got raided with. Uh, they threw uh, gas bombs in there, and and there might even be a Fourth Amendment issue here too, as well with the the way that raid went yeah. down. Yeah, exactly. a lot of mixing of amendments, but I've got to I've got to give him a a nice for sure. Um, you know, people have criticized him for the way he went about it. Uh, some libertarians, uh, prominent libertarians, have criticized him the way he went about um, you know this uh, this video. But I, I got to give him a, a nice. He put it he put it all on the line. All right, Trent, what do you think? Naughty or nice for Adam Kokesh? It's definitely nice. I hate to run with the crowd, but you gotta give the guy credit. He's, he put, much like Edward Snowden, a lot of personal, uh, effort on the line and he's paying the price for it now. And when you look at the situation, all he was doing was, like Odie said, he was exercising his constitutional rights, which have been diluted over the course of 200 years in certain portions of this country and if, if it were 1787, he'd be in the right. But since it's, you know, 2013, it's now he's not in the right and he's a criminal. There's, that's not right. These constitutional rights were meant to go on for years and years and years and they're being walked on. And he completely illustrated the fact that his, that your rights have been eroded. If you don't believe that your rights have been eroded, you're just ignorant at this point. So there's signs, nice there's signs on fences now in the parks. Constitution free zone, you know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, 
And it's if if it's not Washington D.C., it's Bloomberg pulling it in New York, New York City. I mean, it's it's one after another. And then Chris Christie will pull it in New Jersey, and they're doing it in Maryland. It's it's unbelievable. It's one after another. And each each little city with its governor decides that they're going to do their own thing, and before you know it, you know your your rights have been eroded. It's the same thing. And you know, no offense to you guys in, in California, you guys can't do that in California. So. It's None taken. <laughs> no, I, yeah. Yeah, I, bl- I blame our state, not me, but, you know. It's your fault, Mark. <laughs> yeah, you have I, nice weather. You have nice weather, so that kind of... But it, it is true, thing. though. Once precedent is set, you know, it's like you look at legal arguments. Once the legal precedent is set, then people refer to that. It's the same thing with these states. Once once one state infringes on liberty, the precedent is set, and the other states go, well, they got away with it. Why can't we get away with it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's just power grabbing. That's why these people, like... I, not to use the guy again, but Bloomberg, I mean, he, that guy's been a power monger the entire time he's been in New York. And they're, they're all the same. They, they'll, they'll literally get their, their small faction and run with it. And people like, uh, Adam Kokesh have been pulling him out on it. And, you know, they're calling him out on what they're doing and he should be saluted for it. All right. And now we're going to toss it back to me. <laughs> now, this is kind of a tough one for me and it, it doesn't seem like it should be on the surface because I am a, Huge fan of Adam Kokesh. I have loved him for years. I love his podcast. I love his internet videos. I mean, he really is not afraid to just really say it like it is. And I think he really has a very positive message. He always takes a nonviolent approach. He always stresses the ideas of, you know, changing people's minds through, you know, through discussion, through negotiation, and not through violence. And that's, that is his, and as someone who was in the Iraq war, who saw this kind of violence firsthand, that's, I think it's really impressive what he's done as an advocate of liberty. But, you know, there's going to be a but. <laughs> I really have some issues with the way he went about this particular thing that we're talking about. Overall, I give him a nice. But when we're, we're focusing on this issue at hand, this, this, um, you know, this YouTube thing and the, the gun protests, and believe me, I feel for the guy. I, I don't think he should have spent one second in jail, had his home raided. Obviously, that is all wrong. But what worries me about it, again, and this is just maybe me being a little bit of a contrarian, maybe me thinking a little bit deeper like I did with the Ed Snowden thing, what are the bigger implications? But what I worry about is that, you know, the way he went about this, I'm not sure if it's in any way effective in helping liberty. Anybody that you know, didn't already believe in the Second Amendment, didn't already believe in, in their rights to, you know, carry a weapon or what have you, was, you know, changed by, by his actions. What they, what those people see, people that maybe are already against that, they see a crazy guy with a big yeah. beard loading a shotgun in DC, making a YouTube video calling for armed revolution, and he did say that. Now, I know he doesn't actually believe in literal armed revolution, because I've heard him enough over the years. But when we're focusing in on this one issue, when he, pretty much did say that in the video and obviously I agree it's a First Amendment issue, he has every right to say it he has every right to, to you know, hold that gun I think it really doesn't look good for the liberty movement in a way it's kind of like the Alex Jones thing It's where you have to judge, yeah I agree with this guy's saying, but how does it look and, and another thing I'm worried about is is it going to inspire other kind of liberty activists to do a similar kind of thing, because people shouldn't be inspired to do what he did he confronted the government directly and that's just not a smart thing to do. You might say it's his right to do it, and it absolutely is. But let's let's realize the world we live in, the police state that we always talk about, is not a wise move, and it's not something to encourage people to do, to outwardly and openly 
directly confront the government in the way that he did, with loading a shotgun, blatantly violating the law, and and kind of saying what he did. It's it's putting a target directly on him, and I don't think he deserves it, and I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but in a way he did bring it upon himself because he had to have known the consequences of, of that action, and he had to... Maybe he didn't know the severity of how bad it would be and how he would be in solitary confinement and not get enough food and water and all the other horror stories that I've, I've heard about his confinement. It's all terrible. But I think in some ways he really did set a bad example. I, I, I think it was a bad example of how you should necessarily go about expressing your views. I think it's a lot better to express your views in a way that comes across as peaceful and comes across as nonviolent. And while I know from, you know, knowing him over the years and knowing, you know, the kind of stuff that he says, I know he's not a violent person, but that specific video did come across as kind of someone that is trying to inspire violence. And I don't, I, I hope it's not an inspiration for how people should act and I hope it's not an inspiration for how people should stand up to the government because it's only going to bring them the same kind of trouble that it brought him. So for that, considering the fact that we're talking about this specific issue, I'm going to give Adam Kokesh a naughty for this year. But as an overall guy, his, his body of work over the last decade, I do give him a nice for all of that. We're talking about 2013, folks, though, so I'm sorry to say you can't get away with a perfect record today, Adam. You're naughty. I'm sorry. You know, Mark, you, you brought up a good point, and I agree with you there. It's kind of like the Alex Jones thing is that uh, as you said, to the average layperson, he, he comes across just cuckoo nutball. And we talk a lot of ways that one of the big things in liberty we need to, we need to focus on is education. And without education, people don't have the context in which he's doing these things. And yeah, he just comes across as, as insane. So again, the focus comes on education, bringing people around to what the problems are and, uh, to do it, doing that non-violently first is the key. All right, and that's what we call the Brian McWilliams summary. We we're going to have that on about a third of our of our things, as if you guys have noticed. That's a good point. That is an excellent point, Mark. And I, I know what you're saying, but I think part of the outrageous is this message got exactly what he wanted. He wanted to draw attention and um, have you know get himself in a situation where it'd be like a heroic act and an act of civil disobedience, something you don't see all that often now, um, and draw a lot of attention to what could happen if you do such things and stand out and. You know, he's pretty much levied charges that people planted the mushrooms or whatever they found in the park. Um, and uh, I think he was trying to, to, to get that message across, and I think he did, and I think he put a lot of line for himself. But I, I see what you're saying about the, you know, the, the crazy libertarian perspective he might be throwing out there, but I, I think part of that was um, by design uh, to call attention to how dire a situation can become if you don't play by the rules. Right, I guess my only thing is, so was it effective? And I, I'm not, again, I'm not sure if any, any anti-gun advocate is now a pro-gun advocate because of the Adam Kokesh video. Well, I think the only people that are into it are people like us that already are, are on board with him, think he's great, and, and can put aside how crazy it looks because we agree with him. Whereas I think people that maybe don't know about him or don't know what, you know, anything he's talking about see that and go, oh, crazy guy, you know what I mean? So that, I guess that's my worry. That's yeah. why I give him the naughty. I, I got you. I just, you know, there's something to be said too for the fact that he he forced himself into um, a situation where he'd be kind of a model of civil disobedience because that's a hard thing to do. Uh, and he, I think he's called some attention to you know, the, the crap is the justice system. If you heard any of his interviews about what he went through, how long it took to get a court date, and all that, um, pretty eye opening for people who you know who watch TV and think that the court date happens the day after you get arrested. All right, and we got one more name on our naughty or nice list here. 
And we're not going to spend too much time on this one, because we actually did an entire segment about this. Our very first official whiskey chat mm -hmm. back in episode eight was about this guy. We're going to do a quick little roundtable. What do we think? And you know, we started with Ron Paul, so of course we're going to end with Rand Paul. Brian McWilliams, Rand Paul, <laughs> I already know your answer. No to your nice Rand Paul. Uh, yeah. uh, I'll say, I'll say naughty. Again, you could, if you look on the website, just click my name and you'll see my reasons. Yeah. But again, search Brian McWilliams and, yeah, and, and Rand Paul and you'll see about 25 articles. Ample reasons. The, the main one being that uh, he is associated, uh, with libertarianism. He's labeled as a libertarian and he gives libertarianism, uh, libertarianism, excuse me, a, a bad name because he is not a libertarian. So I give him a naughty. Despite the fact that he himself doesn't label himself as such, but in the context of the broader thinking, I give him a no. All right. Dom, let's toss it back to you in New Jersey. What do you think of Rand Paul? Naughty or nice? Uh, it's a real mixed bag of emotions. Um, I agree with a lot of Brian says and writes um, and rants about. Um, but, you know, I, there's some things I like. That I I know it's kind of more attributed to Ted Cruz with the, uh, the whole drone thing that he forced out of. Man, I can't, his name eludes me right now. But uh, I sort of like that he stand and got a, a clear-cut letter that they would not attack U.S. citizens with drones. I thought that was cool. Um, maybe a little theatric, and maybe the deal was already done, and, and he doesn't deserve the credit. But um, I thought that was that really made a splash and made some news and made people think about, yeah, wait a second, are they going to start using this stuff against us? And to force an actual, I, I think there was actually a letter that you could you could download on on uh, off the internet. Um, it was a very simple. Two-word response, no, we will not. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, but there's a lot of faults with him. You know, his pandering to Israel and and um, his kind of falling into that that uh, neocon line um, frustrates me a bit about him. Uh, and I think sometimes he also holds it too high as a standard. Um, he is the son of a lot of our personal heroes here, and we always sort of compare him to that. Maybe we shouldn't. I mean, it's, it's good to have a guy who's at least halfway there um, in the center and making new flashes. So, I'll give him a hesitant nice. That's a good point. <laughs> it, it, maybe it's unfair that we, that we compare him so, uh, so much to Ron Paul. Odie, I know you got an opinion on this one. Naughty or nice for Ron Paul? Yeah, I mean, you, you guys have hit, hit all the points, but, uh, it's, it's, it is, it is a tough decision for sure. I mean, we're talking about probably the most libertarian leading senator in the United States. And, uh, we're calling him naughty for the year. Um, but I mean, it's because of, it's because he has that label attached to him as libertarian. So Ted Cruz we have to hold him accountable. <laughs> he has to have a, you know, the highest standard against him because he has a label with him and he is Ron Paul's son. And he really is, I think, uh, distorting the message with, with a lot of his stances, especially foreign policy. I mean, as, as you mentioned before, Mark, I mean, that's such a litmus test and he's not crystal clear on that. He's wishy-washy. As well as many many other areas, foreign policy um, is, is definitely a very very disturbing area to see him be wishy washy. And so I got to give Rand Paul a naughty. All right, Trent, what do you think? Naughty or nice for Rand? Uh, it, it's hard. I mean, I was such a big fan of his filibuster earlier in the year, but by the same token, his foreign policy is it's just it's gray. It and it needs to be black or white, and he's just not there. It's I want to say nice because I'm hoping that he's going to be, he's going to work his way up through politics and then, you know, kind of rip back a shirt and be Ron Paul. But I, I'm not sure it's going to happen like that. But I, I don't know. I'm going to throw him a nice just for, 
for this filibuster. That was that was uh, unprecedented in a lot of regards. So I'll throw over nice. And I think it could really go either way because, as you guys said, he is clearly the most libertarian leaning, you know, senator <laughs> in the United States. He's the best senator for sure. But as I've said before, when you're talking about politicians, you're talking about senators. Where it's 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 an analogy I've made before. You're you're kind of it's like choosing who's your favorite serial killer. You know mm. who's the best of the worst kind of thing. Kind of what confuses me is you know you can't you can't give Ted Cruz a nice and Rand Paul a bad. I mean yeah. you, you can but you can't. I mean I it's, that's not consistent to me. But and there is a point there that maybe people don't see Ted Cruz as a libertarian. People see Rand Paul as a libertarian, and it's it's about the context of what our discussion is. And as far as that goes, you know, if I'm going to give Ted Cruz a naughty for his foreign policy, I'm sorry, I got to give Rand a naughty for his foreign policy too, because while it is better than the rest and better than all the others, all the other serial killers, and hey, that's what foreign policy is. It's just discussing, you know, what group of people we're going to kill a bunch of, and that's what a serial killer does. So maybe the analogy isn't as, isn't even that far <laughs> off, you know, but, um, yeah, I, I don't have much room for gray on a foreign policy, and unfortunately, Rand has given me, as you said, Trent, a gray view of foreign policy. He seems to sometimes try to push that non-interventionist line, sometimes try to push that, well, maybe we have to have bases here, we need to have allies with Israel kind of thing, and it really just makes it more difficult, and, and even in other issues, even some of the social conservative issues, you know, he's made some comments about, um, like, gay marriage and that kind of thing, which, you know, are, isn't exactly a passionate issue for me. I think the government should be out of marriage. But, you know, when some of his comments are, again, associated with libertarianism, it really creates a problem. I've had people send me links to Rand Paul things saying, do you agree with what this guy says? And it's like, the reason they're doing that is because they just fall into this, everyone thinks Rand Paul's a libertarian. So it creates problems for me. I have to constantly defend this guy who doesn't even say he's a libertarian. So... For that, and I, and I agree, I want to give him a nice because he really is the best sender, and he does bring up a lot of important issues, the drones and, and all sorts of things. And I, and I do like him. As much as we criticize him, I like him in so many ways. But hey, I'm being tough today. I'm giving out a Kogesh is naughty and, and all that. So I'm still going to give Rand Paul, unfortunately, because I do like him a lot, a naughty for the year. You're a Grinch. I gotta say, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize we were being grading. We were grading on consistency. Um, if that's the case, I have to. Be we never discussed a grading system. You know, we all have our own individual <laughs> grading systems, and and that's what's that's part of the fun of the of the Lions Liberty Podcast. We all have our own opinions. We all have our own attitudes. We generally agree on things, but hey, we all have our own ideas, and that's and that's why we're sitting here. That's why we're doing this chat. It's been a fun one so far. It's been great, guys. I've got a little Christmas gift for you, for our audience, for everybody listening at home. You know, I've been working in the past week with our awesome editor, John Daubert, to build a little package for you guys. The best quotes of the year of all our guests of 2013. We've had some amazing guests, as we discussed earlier. We're going to take a little break, give you a little package of some of the best quotes of the year. This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at theplacetobenation.com, your pop culture home. Agree to disagree. Yeah, it's a radio show we have on thenewamericanmedia.com every single Friday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific. Join the show. What do we talk about? Politics, religion, and spirituality. Basically anything you're not supposed to talk about in a bar. <laughs> you're not supposed to have these conversations inside of a bar, but we have them every single Friday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific on thenewamericanmedia.com. Join the show, offer your opinion, and let's agree to disagree, but let's have a good conversation. 
This is Glenn Jacobs, and you're listening to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lions of Liberty podcast presents the best quotes of 2013. Stefan Kinsella. There's something wrong with the idea of the state granting monopoly privileges. So they started calling it a property right in intellectual products or ideas. Anytime the state uses power to harm people, I think it's very important that we break it down and say, is this really something we should accept? You know, is it a violation of property rights? We made it to a second episode, and they said it wouldn't last. Shane Whistler. I think personally that nothing is more important to the liberty movement than philosophy. Why do we think a certain way? What is the nature of man? What conclusions does that lead us to? And, you know, those conclusions, luckily for us, happen to be that liberty is the best way to go. Dan Johnson. So imagine being hauled off to Gitmo because you believe in liberty or because you believe in freedom or because you like limited government. It's a lot easier to influence things, especially if you have an enthusiastic group, especially if you have the organization and the tools that Panda provides. Christopher Robin Zimmerman, better known to me as CRZ. I think we had the right message at the right time. Ron Paul was so great, even though he was doing it from within the Republican Party. Once you reach a certain age, you just stop giving a crap. And I, I feel like I, I'm almost there already, so I, right, I'm really, I'm 30, really afraid right. of what it's gonna, <laughs> I'm really afraid of what I'm going to be like in 30 or 40 years. Daniel McAdams. I had my eyes open to a degree, and I also had my eyes open to Ron Paul. I was not particularly political and didn't follow politics very much, but I kept reading one congressman writing some really great articles about what was happening in the Balkans, and I knew he was absolutely spot on because I was sitting there in the middle of it. I always wanted to meet him when I got back, and I had the chance to do that and more, so I've been very, very lucky. You seize the day. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just drinking apple juice and going on rants. So, hey, Glenn Jacobs. Libertarian societies have not collapsed. Even anarchic societies have not collapsed. They've been taken over from the outside. But there are occurrences in history or examples in history of societies that basically didn't have governments. And uh, Iceland and Ireland, and they survived for hundreds of years. That's why I do this podcast when the... S, quote-unquote, does hit the fan, that we can provide at least some of those explanations and hopefully a better path, a better philosophical way to go about things. Dr. Mark Thornton. You know, Lou Rockwell doesn't allow me to smoke cigarettes. He sure as heck not going to allow me to smoke marijuana in the Mises Institute. It's just... What a curmudgeon. I mean, come on, loosen up, Lou. (laughs) (laughs) If we just allow the market to work and we just allow people to put whatever substances in their body that they choose, the market will find ways to regulate and regulate where that drug use takes place and result in a lot less violence. Chris Brasini. Like a spark lit up and I couldn't take it anymore. I decided, you know what, I don't know what road I'm going to take, but I'm going to take a road to start sharing this stuff that I learned. And once I committed to it, I started to then be aware of perhaps some opportunities around me. And it's the job of you and I and everybody out there doing things like us, Bob Wenzel, Lou Rockwell, so many people now with the internet, and to point out that there is another way to think about things. With our foreign policy and our general philosophy overall, there's another way and it can change. Brian McWilliams. 
a bit of whiskey and a bit of Ron Paul talk, and <laughs> that's how we kind of all got a movie. One way or another, it does all come back to the whiskey. John Odermatt, better known to me as Odie. You know, you were bringing up some some crazy ideas I'd never heard of before, like, you know, a Republican that was anti-war and all that good stuff. So uh, I was, uh, you know, pretty, you know, taken aback and I'd never heard of that before. But, uh, you know, enough Jim Beam and it opened up my mind and... Fran says, it's one of these things that we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. No pun intended. <laughs> Funny guy. Just like whiskey a politician. Whiskey chat candidate right there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is, he, is he in a whiskey chat? Why is he making pun <laughs> jokes? That, these pun jokes are reserved for whiskey chats, guys. Come on. Dr. Walter Block? I once shook hands with Logan Don Mason, so I never watched that hand. <laughs> Be careful shaking hands with Dr. Block. Uh, well, I smell a little bit, but uh, you can channel Mason for me. Hunter Lewis? When government gets rotten, and when these deals are made between government and big business and big finance and big labor and big laws, like I said, that changes the picture. I mean, that really thwarts the efforts of the average person to get ahead. That creates an economy in which nobody can get ahead. It's absolutely essential that we make the important distinction between capitalism, real free markets, and crony capitalism, or fascism, as it's better known. Roger Stone. Of those involved in the plot to kill John Kennedy, those being the CIA, organized crime, and uh, of course Texas Oil, not to mention Lyndon Johnson. I think that both Dr. King and Robert F. Kennedy were killed to further cover up the murder of John Kennedy. Power for the sake of power. I mean, that's what defines a lot of these people, what defines why they are sociopaths, why they are psychopaths. Julie Boreski. Most of our videos are ridiculous. I've done some really kind of just stupid stuff, to be honest. I had a trans fat video recently. I just stuffed my face with donuts. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but it gets people to laugh. And they're like, hey, maybe this girl, she's crazy, but she might have a point. You can just start making YouTube videos out of your apartment, finding funny and interesting ways to convey ideas to others. You can be like Chris Rossini. He just made himself known to Robert Wenzel, who runs that site, started helping out any way he could, offering his assistance. And eventually he translated that into a role producing The Robert Wenzel Show. And now he's contributing his writing to several websites, the Ron Paul Institute and our very own website, Lions of Liberty. Hey, you can be like me. <laughs> John Whitehead. They're forcibly taking blood and DNA samples in some state from people. They just pull them over to make them do it. The Supreme Court actually upheld that, by the way. Police can now forcibly take DNA from you when you're arrested, even for a misdemeanor. Right now we have a sick society. A very sick society. But I think it can get better. I know it can get better. <laughs> I don't think we're born totalitarians. I don't think we're born... You know, as people that think it's cool to get rectal exams on the side of the street or think it's fine for SWAT teams to break into someone's house and kill them in the middle of the night. This isn't normal. And I don't think I'm the crazy one to think that it's not normal. And I like to think that everybody out there listening, most of you, maybe there are just a few totalitarians that just decide to listen to the Lions of Liberty podcast. And hey, I'm happy to have you guys too. I welcome the totalitarians, the fascists, the Nazis, the Communists, I want all you listening. Because even you guys can change. It's all about ideas. A lot of people have bad ideas. I might have some bad ideas. I don't know. I like to think I got some good ones. I like to think that the Liberty Movement has a lot of good ones.
Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, guys, welcome back to the Lions Liberty Podcast, our holiday extravaganza. I hope you enjoyed that little package we put together for you. Some of the best quotes of the year that you got to hear there of 2013, our first year of the Lions Liberty Podcast. We're going to close out the show by just looking at a couple things of the past year real quick. First of all, I want to go around the panel again with our best moment. What do you guys think was the best single moment in the year for liberty in terms of our libertarian perspective? Let's go around the panel. Brian McWilliams, what do you think? What's the best moment of the year for liberty? I'm a huge critic of Rand Paul, but, you know, the filibuster. I love the filibuster. Good job, Rand, on that. The results... May not have been exactly what we wanted, but uh, the fact that he stood up against the drones and the assassination of American citizens was pretty uh, damn impressive. All right, let's toss it over to you, Dom. What do you think? What is your best moment for liberty in the year 2013? Uh, now i got to reshuffle my whole uh, spiel here because William stole mine. Merry Christmas! I appreciate that. The response. Liberty yeah. minds think alike. The response to that question was really vindicating for me and uh, the best moment for me as well. All right, that's two from the drum filibuster. And this is from some Rand Paul critics. So, listen, Rand, we're always willing to compliment you when you do well. Yeah, we're friends, too. All right, back to Pittsburgh. Odie, what's your best moment of the year for Liberty? I'm also going with Paul. Ron Paul, so. Um, and i got to go with the founding of the Ron Paul Institute. A great, great thing that he's doing. Bringing together some great minds. Diverse group of people from and the liberal side and the more conservative side, and of course libertarians as well. A great feature they have is the Neocon Watch, if you haven't checked that out. One of our writers, Chris Rossini, writes for them as well. So, Ron Paul Institute, check it out. Absolutely, and you can check out the head of that institute, Daniel McAdams, on episode 5 of the Lions Liberty Podcast. Did a great interview with him. Also, as Odie mentioned, Chris Rossini, a contributor to our site, also a contributor over at Ron Paul's Institute for Peace and Prosperity. Did an interview with him right before our Whiskey Chat, Episode 8 of the Lions Liberty Podcast, so be sure to check those out. Trent Seaman, what do you think? What's your favorite moment of the year for Liberty 2013? I was a big fan of the American public in 2013. After what happened to Sandy Hook in late 2012, there was a huge run on uh, Second Amendment, and I was very happy to see that people across the nation stood up for their Second Amendment rights and really put a stop to what the uh, the Diane Feinstein's and the Barack Obamas of the world were trying to push through, push through on an international level and push through on a state level. They were they were trying to do gun control at any level they could possibly get it done, and the American public pretty much stopped it at every juncture, with the exception of Connecticut, where they they got through gun registration, but. In wake of what could potentially be viewed as a false flag event, I was very impressed with the American public. Very happy to see that the American public fought for their Second Amendment rights. All right. Me, personally, my favorite moment of the year is basically seeing Barack Obama come out and say that he's going to have to go to Congress and try to get something in Syria, try to get some kind of action and absolutely nothing happened. I mean, it seemed like a repeat of the Iraq War, of Libya, of all the things we've seen before, when it just seems inevitable. It seems like there's no way we're not going to war. Only this time, we actually didn't. Like The, the public outcry, again, I'm impressed with the American public. The public outcry 
essentially stopped this war. It stopped the politicians from even bringing it to a vote. They realized, you're going to bring this up. You're going down. And, you know, essentially, that's what we got to realize. And that's why we talk about this sub. That's why we do this podcast. That's why we do the website, LionsLiberty.com. Because the more people are informed, the more people are outraged about this stuff, even though we can say, and it's true to a large extent, politicians don't listen to us. Essentially, they eventually have to because they care about their careers and they care about moving forward with their careers. And if something is immensely unpopular, as invading Syria was, and I think, like Odie said earlier, thanks largely to libertarian movement, thanks to the Ron Paul Institute, thanks for all these non-interventionist voices, you know, that thing was shut down. So that was my favorite moment of the year, the the way that you know potential war in Syria was completely squashed within just a week of all the media hype about it. Yeah, it was huge. All right, and now you know we've we've done this whole show has been dedicated to just recapping the last year in Liberty, talking about everything that's happened. But guess what, guys? What's happened has happened. We can't do anything about it. We gotta look towards the future. So, what are you guys looking forward to in the next year? What is your wish for the new year for Liberty for 2014? What is your one wish you hope to see? Brian McWilliams, let's start with you. I really hope that Glenn Greenwald's new uh, media enterprise he's entered into, which I, I don't think is launched yet, but it's basically a voice to, you know, real news, uncensored, men, obviously, uh, a little libertarian-leaning, launches and uh, finds great success. All right, Don, what about you? What's your wish for the new year for Liberty? Yeah, I'll give you a vague and then a more specific response. Um, I hope, like, you know, like Brian said, that this, this, uh, tidal wave of, of, uh, sentiment keeps going. You know, I, I meet more and more people when, you know, we don't bring up specific, uh, issues with them. We talk about things in general. Sound more and more libertarian every day. Um, I hope that keeps going. I hope we don't prove a, uh, passing fad. Um, and I think another year or two of this will, will prove that. Uh, more specifically, I hope we still keep going down the path of decriminalizing the use of um, illicit drugs. I hope we lose, I hope we lose the drug war in the next year, or at least take, <laughs> well, a, take a significant hit in the next year in that battle. All right, thank you, Dom. One more shot from our boys over in Pittsburgh. Odie, what's your wish for the new year for Liberty? I guess I'm going to echo Dom here, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to wish that we can just stop putting nonviolent drug offenders, nonviolent uh, criminals, locking them in cages. If we can stop doing that. I think that says a lot more about humanity as a whole. Um, I think it's something that, uh, that really must change for our society to move forward. And Trent, what about you? What's your wish for the new year? My wish is for the individual American to be more personally responsible for their life. I don't think that this country is going to change and become a bastion of liberty until each person on an individual level decides to take responsibility for their own life. You know, so many people are out there looking for a politician to save them. At the end of the day, if if you're not willing to step up and save your own life, it, no politician can save you. People out there that are that are lining up for for government handouts, whether it's unemployment or Social Security or Medicare, or even uh, the job that they might be working for the for the government, you, you got to be willing to stand up and be your own person and stand individually if you want to escape the the grasp of the government. So if people are more personally responsible, the government would have nobody to oppress. That's that's the way I that's my wish for twenty fourteen if people just stand up and be their own person. Alright, I guess it's back to me to close this thing out. And mine's pretty simple. 
It might be a little too hip, hippie-ish. It might be a little too John Lennon, but my wish is just to make sure we don't see a war. I mean, obviously, there's wars all over the world, but I, I hope we don't see our country specifically launch into another war because that is when it really quells the rest of the debate. That is when uh, you know, civil liberties at home get clamped down on, and that is when it's really it becomes a lot more difficult to kind of promote the ideas of liberty, promote a lot of the things we're talking about when the citizenry is kind of wrapped up in a patriotic fervor and kind of, you know, kind of how it was after 9-11 when, you know, the government's right about everything. We have to be behind them. We have to go with whatever they're doing because they're they're here to save us. We're all together, that kind of thing. And, you know, let alone the fact that people are being murdered, <laughs> which is obviously terrible. So my one wish is that our government and, hey... <laughs> All governments in the world can avoid wars. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here today. I know it's been quite an arduous, tenuous journey. We have all our various drinks. We had bathroom breaks to figure out all this stuff, all this behind-the-scenes stuff. I want to thank everybody that's helped me make this podcast over the last year, uh, people that have inspired me to do the work I'm doing, and you know, people that have been on the podcast, Stephen Kinsella, who first inspired me to just record something and turn it into a podcast. We've had such great guests over the last year. Uh, Walter Box, Shane Whistler, Glenn Jacobs, uh, Julie Borowski, John Whitehead, Roger Stone, you guys right here, my fellow Lions of Liberty, all of you guys have greatly contributed. Let's not forget our amazing editor who makes us all sound so much smarter than we actually maybe would come across otherwise, John Daubert. Thank you so much for what you've been doing for us. Ron Branch, the guy who has made our, our theme song, an excellent theme song he produced for us for the Lions of Liberty podcast. I believe Brian and Studio has someone to thank as well. I, I just want to say, we wish you a liberty, must everybody. Uh, we yeah. wish you a liberty, must. We wish you a liberty, must. We wish you a liberty, must. And a happy new year. We had to do it for him. It was a condition of coming on the show that he had to fit a pun Christmas song into into his final spiel. So I did promise him that. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Thank you, everybody out there listening to us. Thanks for being involved in this. Please remember to check out our website, lionsofliberty.com. Check us out on the social media. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash lionsofliberty. Twitter, at lionsofliberty. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Subscribe on Stitcher Radio. I don't care how you do it. I'm just glad you're here listening to us. Thank you so much. Take care, and we will be back next week with another show. I promise they're going to keep coming. Thank you so much. And remember, guys, until next time, live long and live free.